I'm CL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe, but our belief has implications on the way we live our life for the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. It's been an interesting week as I have spent time personally uh, reflecting on uh, on death and on the uh, the nature of the human person. We've talked about this a few times with Sister Teresa Alethea Noble of the Daughters of St. Paul. You can find that in our archives uh, as she has a specific devotion to uh, remembering her death. She's got a skull that she puts on her on her desk to keep in mind, always in front of her as she works, that one day she's going to die. And it's important for us as well to do that, to, to look and to hold our death in front of us, to, to gaze at it, not in a macabre way, but so that when we do eventually face our death, we will find that we've lived a virtuous life. Uh, if, we, if we remember the fact that we're going to die, we don't put off growing in virtue. We say today, I'm going to make today count. And I've been thinking about this topic this week because of a couple of deaths that have rolled across my timeline. Uh, The first you're aware of, because it's been everywhere, if you consume any kind of media whatsoever, uh, you know that Kobe Bryant, a basketball player for the the Los Angeles Lakers, passed away uh, in a tragic accident, in a helicopter accident, with his 13-year-old daughter. They were on their way to, I believe, one of her sporting events uh, at the time of the accident. And I was not aware before all of the news. I don't really follow sports. I'm not a a sports person. Uh, So I knew the name Kobe Bryant because it's everywhere, but I I didn't really follow his career. I was not aware that he was Catholic and his wife was Catholic and they were married in the church and their children were baptized and raised in the church. And... What really stood out to me more than anything, and I've learned a little bit more about his life since then, uh, though not so much his his sporting career still, um, one of the things that stood out to me is that that Sunday morning before the game that they were on their way to to attend, they went to Mass. And how important that is for us to, um, to not delay our reception of the sacraments. It would have been easy enough for uh, for him to say, you know, we've got this game; it's a long way away. We're just gonna we're gonna skip it today, and uh, and they didn't. They went to to mass. They received Christ in the Eucharist, and then they experienced their death unexpectedly. They had plans for that day and the next day and many days thereafter, and we cannot know with certainty when our death will come. We have to be mindful and live at every moment as if today's the day. Today's the day that I'm going to be face-to-face with God the Father, and what am I going to say to him? What am I going to say at that uh, particular judgment uh, that was more important than me going to, to be with him in the Mass? What, what was more important than living my life uh, according to his will or being virtuous? And, and if we live with that in our mind and say, you know, I'm going to have to face God the Father, a loving God who, who uh, desires nothing more than relationship with me, and yet still the just judge. So how, how can I, in good conscience, 
live my life in such a way that that is a joyful reunion and not a fearful one. Uh, the, the second uh, death that rolled across my feet was probably a little bit more um, sobering. And that was on, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, the news came across that a young priest, 34 years of age, uh, had taken his own life out of the diocese of uh, Kansas City, St. Joseph. And I know nothing of the circumstances. I, I don't know what led up to it. Uh, I don't know if there was depression or if there was uh, extreme fear or distress. Uh, I, I have no idea anything that happened in that scenario, but it touches me very deeply because I know the, the kinds of things that tend to lead people uh, to that decision. Uh, and very often it doesn't feel like a decision. Uh, I know the kind of distress that takes someone to a place where they feel that all is lost. And so I, I feel just very deeply for him and for the parishioners that have been left behind and for his family, his parents, and any siblings that he may have who have been left behind. And so it's really kind of sat with me. And one of the things that I have been wrestling with is how do I care for the priests in my life? What are the things that I do to, um, to really make sure that they are heard and valued and supported? And what can I do? What can we do as lay people uh, to give them the encouragement and the support that they need. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about that and breaking out that topic as much as we can with uh, with Father Brad Doyle, who's a priest out of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Uh, and we're going to talk about the importance of our role in supporting our priest and the importance for the priest, Get it, maybe a perspective that we don't otherwise, wouldn't otherwise have, a perspective on the importance of priestly fraternity and relationships that they have with one another. We talk uh, here often enough about how much social media disconnects us. It's supposed to make us closer together, and yet and yet, it does many times quite the opposite. And the same is true uh, for our priests. So I would ask that you pray for the repose of the soul of uh, a Father Harkins out of the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. Pray for his family. Pray for his congregation. And then take some time and ask for discernment. Ask that God would show you the ways that you can support your priest and make sure that they have the encouragement they need as they give us the gift of the sacraments uh, through the ministry of the church. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Father Brad Doyle. He's also known as Father Quizzical. He's the host of the Quizzical Papist podcast. We're going to talk about integrity of the human person and our need for one another. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. There's much more to come right after this, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. 
And today we are talking with uh, Father Brad Doyle, who is a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, host of the Quizzical Papist podcast, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, uh, partially because it's just intriguing, but partially because I think that it addresses some of what I wanted to talk to you about today. Uh, so, Father Brad, thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, T.L. So we're talking today, um, earlier this week, across our social media feed, yours and mine both, came the the devastating news that a young priest, a vibrant priest out of the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph, uh, had committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of things that go along with this. Of course, we could talk about the um, the catechism's statement and the the understanding that a feeling of, of hopelessness that is accompanied by mental distress can certainly lessen the culpability that has traditionally been associated with the taking of one's own life. Uh, we could, mm-hmm. we could talk about the, the stigma that are, surrounds the questions of mental health and, and what amazing strides are being made recently, specifically even with the, uh, the Bishop of, of Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln. Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, who is, about, uh, Bishop Connolly. I, I brought that up too. I did some research before coming on. I wanted to talk about that. So. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there is this, this understanding that mental health is healthcare. And it's something that we have traditionally have not talked about. And even more so, I think, priests, because there is this um, expectation that everyone see you as, as perfect in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last, uh, also, what I want to talk about is the need for priesthoods um, to ha- to have this fraternal co- connection, whether it be with brother priests or with other clergy, uh, but to have some outlet where there is someone uh, to whom you can go and express your frustrations, specifically because within your own parish, most of the things that you hear are when someone's upset about something. Mm-hmm. So I want to explore this uh, in a variety of ways. One, uh, how do we, uh, as a as a society and as a church, make a way for the the priests to be supported, uh, whether it be in their fraternal connection, uh, maybe from an archdiocesan resources, uh, and then lastly, how can we as parishioners support our priests? Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing that I thought of when I was reflecting, praying about uh, Father Harkin's suicide, his death, his passing, how it happened. And um, was that the reality that people need to know that priests are not superhuman. They're humans with a supernatural calling. (laughs) Um, And and so there's four pillars of formation, uh, three of which, you know, one is pastoral, one spiritual, one's intellectual. So like the study and stuff like that. And then one's human. Um, because as we know, God takes human beings and he works through human beings. And he's done it his, the whole time throughout salvation history. And that means we are broken because of the fall. We're broken because of concupiscence. We have uh, sicknesses that aren't our fault all the time, whether that's physical um, or or mental and psychological. And so to, to have a quietism towards that, or even as laity, like the lay faithful of, of our country, of our church and international over the world to, to approach the priest as if they're, they're untouchable, that they don't experience the same hurts, pains, struggles, uh, you know, depression, all that. It's just, it's not helpful. We have to have a realistic approach and understand 
our pastors, our priests, our parochial vicars, our religious teachers, what have you, they're humans and, and they, we need to approach them as we would any human, um, especially when it comes to mental health and stuff. Well, and let's take a look at that because I think that something that I have noticed in recent days is we don't really know how to approach people as human anymore. Um, we have, uh, part of this may be our political um, climate. Some of it could just be the nature of social media, how we have largely become anonymous, anonymous people talking to other anonymous people, and we let our worst natures out. Uh, and we've cultivated that to the point that sometimes it's really hard to notice that the things that I am saying and the opinions that I'm expressing uh, have a deeper effect than just me being able to vent, but they actually can can do damage and, and bring wounding to another human being, another human person made in the image and the likeness of God. Yeah, I, there's a difference between proximity and intimacy, mm-hmm. you know, and so online, like you're talking about things we say online, but even friendships online aren't the same necessarily as uh, intimate one-on-one. It could be, it could be a tool for intimacy, but um, you know, I, I want, I, we just had a priest formation event, uh, where all the priests of the diocese of Baton Rouge would get together once a year and, um, have some formation. And the priest talked about how the reality that sometimes priests are more lonely now in a technological age with all social media, with all the emails, with all the phones and all that, than they were when they might've been missionary priests in the United States where you had, you know, a couple dozen priests responsible for the entire, you know, Mississippi Valley right. you know, from like Louisiana to, to Detroit or whatever. Um, and, and they were closer then. They lived in community more intentionally then than they do now. So just proximity or ability to an ease of contact doesn't mean there's actual intimacy. Um, and I think what you're talking about is the, the, the phenomenon of a not anonymity, yeah. um, anonymity, allowing the ability to just cut people down, critique people, um, just rip them to shreds and leave them in the dust, um, which we would never do in person, right? Well, <laughs> if, if we acted like we do online, uh, in person, we'd be kind of sociopaths, yeah. you know? Well, and I would say that, that, that anonymity not only gives us the ability to more severely damage the other person, but it also changes changes us. It changes our ability to be vulnerable with other people. Our expression of that vitriol makes us, I think, a little bit um, less receptive to any kind of, of criticism, any kind of pressure or, or pushback. And so you end up either feeling like you have to hide yourself away to keep yourself safe, uh, or you have to, you know, not express those opinions out loud lest you end up reverting to that online persona. Uh, and so as a means of, quote unquote, trying to protect those that we're close to, uh, we end up closing ourselves off because we've not cultivated an appropriate way to exchange ideas and beliefs and disagreement with one another. Mm-hmm. Or, or we just create an echo chamber mm-hmm. right? where where we just shout the beliefs that we already have, the opinions we already have. And this happens in the church when it comes to the politicizing of the church, whether it be liturgical or theological or whatever. Um, you know, we have our little group of people that agree with us and we shout our opinions into an echo chamber and it comes back to us affirming. We never open ourselves up to the other. 
you know? So I, I think that's, that happens often and, and that doesn't help. So when we do this, we end up uh, really ostracizing those people who, who either feel like they shouldn't speak up or feel like uh, their personality doesn't lend it to that kind of speaking up. And, and so you end up with this profound loneliness, this, this thought mm. that I am all alone and I can't do anything right. And every time I try to do something positive for the church, I hear from these 15 uh, people and it's never a majority, but they always present themselves like they are the majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can, how can a parishioner maybe who isn't part of, of that uh, circle of, of influence uh, who doesn't necessarily know that that kind of, uh, of pressure is being exerted, how can that person provide support and encouragement and, and life to their local parish priest? I think it might be different for different priests. And I, uh, so just having prudence and understanding what type of priest you have. They're humans, so they have, there's extroverts, there's introverts, there's intellectual, more intellectual bent, right, priests. There's more socially, um, I guess, social butterfly kind of priests. And everyone's different. Um, and so they might receive things differently. It's kind of, yeah, you ever heard of the love languages? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so like acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation. These are things that apply, guess what, to priests too. <laughs> we think they only apply to, apply to married couples, but we're human and uh, we have... We have, you know, I guess personalities. And and so knowing your priest, getting to know him, just talking and, and having that perception. Um, and then, so I guess desiring to encounter your priest on their ground, that they're more comfortable receiving love. Mm-hmm. So whether that's words of affirmation or uh, acts of service, like, like helping them out around the parish or, you know, quality time. If, I know that was a, I was part of a parish cluster and it was in South Louisiana on the river, sugarcane fields, very rural. There was one, one restaurant, one bar, like everyone's grandma lived on the street they lived on. And there wasn't a, a an LSU game or a Saints game that I didn't have two or three houses that I was invited to, mm-hmm. which can be dangerous because if you pick the same house, you know, it's like pressure's like, he never comes to my house. And that's, that's kind of ours to juggle. But, um, but that, that was how I'm loved, right? That's how I, I love, I love those situations. I love sitting at a TV yelling at, you know, the, the saints defense and, um, and actually building rapport with parishioners in that moment. And so, so maybe if you have a more outgoing priest, invite them over, mm-hmm. you know, the dude, dude probably wants to uh, watch some, sports or have dinner or, or do a house blessing. Say like, Hey, can you come house, uh, bless our house? And, um, and that's always priest- a great one. Cause even if the priest is an introvert, you throw in some liturgy to it as well and say, Oh, you know, I, I have this, this liturgical need and I'll feed you while you're here. And so you, <laughs> you kind of kill two birds with one stone. Exactly. And then, and then if it's a house blessing, I think it gives them permission to like make it as much as they want, you know, like mm-hmm. a priest can, can come in, hang out, eat a little, but then I came to do the house blessing um, so you never know, just, just open-ended, no, no, like, uh, I guess try not to have expectations because there's so many families, so many parishioners, um, just, 
there's a parish to run, there's budgets to be uh, balanced, there's all these things, buildings to be built. Um, so having that encounter with the parishioners being one of uh, rejuvenation and not a burden is, right. is good too. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is um, be aware that Sunday in the Narthex is probably not the best time to get business done, right? Uh, save mm-hmm. save those requests for the middle of the week and, and, and just engage in a level I think that's appropriate at the end of the day. Have proper expectations for the disposition of your priest and the, the time, you know, the the environment that you currently find your priest in as you engage with him. I'm not going to lie. The after church, uh, after mass handshaking, I'm an extrovert, but that's just, that's just scary. I mean, <laughs> just because there's so many people that there's so many eye contacts, there's so many people who want to talk mm-hmm. and then there's someone waiting over here and then you're shaking this person's hand. And you're like, I don't want to like not talk. <laughs> you have to gauge have I talked to this person long enough or too long? And what are, what are the people behind waiting for? Uh, this is a difficult calculus to figure out. And we're going to continue this conversation talking about how to support our priests and the needs of human uh, interaction that our priests have right after this. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. Do you have some practice that you do to support your priest? I want to know about it. Come tell me over there. And we'll be right back right after this with much more. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL, and we're talking today uh, just really, I think, about health, emotional health, uh, and how that ties in to physical health. Uh, We're reflecting today with Father Brad Doyle, specifically in light of uh, the recent death uh, of Father Harkins out of the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph, uh, who uh, committed suicide earlier this week. I encourage you to pray for the repose of his soul. Uh, and to pray for your priest. There's, you know, I, I just imagine his, his congregation, Father Brad, um, mm. and how many of them are, are asking the question, how do we not know? How do we not yeah. see? Uh, and, and I'm even praying for those people who were probably giving him a hard time because of uh, a feeling mm. of, of blame and guilt that might be associated with that. Uh, and praying that that, that through this this turmoil that the church is encountering there, uh, that God would bring uh, healing to some wounded places in in the human persons that are part of that church. Yeah, the reality is is that a priest is truly a father of a family, the church, and this is horrific when it happens in a family. I've seen it happen in families where the father um, is tragically dies in this way, and it's tragic. I mean, it's, it's horrific. And how much is that also the case for a parish? Um, and, and just the, the image that came to my, me as you talked was the accuser. My brother is cast out. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of accusations, mostly towards ourselves or to his, you know, his parishioners looking at themselves, accusing themselves, accusing other people. Um, look, that's not the, the that's not going to bring healing. That's not going to bring answers. Um, 
I think we trust in God's mercy and that's all we can do and, and move, move forward, you know? And I think that in this time, as we face those accusations, those internal thoughts of what could I have done differently is one to realize nothing can change what's happened, but also to recognize that each and every one of us is carrying around some wounding. Uh, and, and if we were a part of, uh, of causing distress to father, that's going to be coming from a place of our own wounding. And the way that we get out of that is through humility, look, taking a really honest look at ourselves, uh, facing our own baggage, uh, and seeking the Holy Spirit's healing. Mm. So I think that as we, as we have these opportunities, one, we don't want to end up in a place where we accuse ourselves uh, and, and take blame, but I think that it is maybe a right and good thing to do some self-examination and use this as a time uh, to confront some of our own demons. Absolutely. And definitely for us as priests, you know, you hear something like this and you're like, Ooh, maybe I should call my friend and mm-hmm. tell him I love him. <laughs> you know, my priest friends, I'm like, Hey guys, love you. And is there anything I can do for you? Can I, is, can I pray for you? How's, how's the parish going? How are you transitioning into this new role? What, you know, whatever the case happens to be. Yeah. And, and look, we don't know. We don't, maybe you had those friends, maybe they were reaching out. There's a lot we don't know from our perspective. Um, and so um, all we can do is take this in stride with our own lives, our own priesthoods, our own churches, if you're a lay person and, um, and just do our best. One of the things that, that I have been thinking about as I have been thinking about father, uh, father Harkins is sometimes we get so caught up in what we do that we think that who we are is, is completely about what we do and, and how important it is to have interests outside of work. Yeah. You should love what you do, but you should also do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the reasons I'm thrilled to be talking to you today is you have these things that are integrated into your life fully, and they're completely outside of the expectation of what I think father's going to do on a, on a Friday night or whatever mm-hmm. the night is that you happen to go do pub quizzes. Uh, mm-hmm. at, of course your, your Twitter handle is at father underscore quizzical. Uh, talk a little bit about this interest of yours, how it, uh, how you first got interested in it, and then maybe a little bit about how, even when you're off duty, how your uh, charism kind of expresses itself there. Yeah. In, at the, at the point. Yeah. I, I think, um, well, you know, I see my life as very integrated or I try to be very integrated. And so, so even though I have hobbies, I have loves, I have passions of priesthood of which is what my people, the bride, the church, obviously. And so all these other things that would might seem detached aren't really, they're part of a priestly ministry, um, just in a different way, maybe a, a way that people haven't thought about before. So as a seminarian and as a young priest, I was in Baton Rouge and I had a pub quiz team or bar trivia. We call it in Louisiana bar trivia. Other places call it pub quiz. Basically where you go to the bar with your friends, sit at a table, people ask questions and you battle other teams and you win, I don't know, uh, bar tabs um, or other prizes. Fantastic. I love it. It was my, it was a jam, my jam. I love history. I love trivia. You, you argue with your friends, you laugh. It's really great. We had really good team too, not because of me, but because of my friends who are really brilliant. And and then I went, I got moved to Vashri, like I said earlier. So this, this rural area, there's no 
bar trivia like within 40 minutes. And I met the owner of the only bar restaurant in town. Um, uh, and I asked him, I said, hey, do you mind if I start a trivia? And he was like, like Catholic trivia? And, and at, at this place, I said, no, just regular trivia, led by Father Brad of the local parish, but just regular trivia. Every other week on a Wednesday night, you're not open anyway. We can open a special day. You get more money. And he said, sure, go ahead. And, you know, probably about 30 parishioners and like 20 other people, young people who work, uh, like historians who work at the plantations along the river, they were starting to come, Laura Plantation, um, Oak Alley, and people would show up and we'd have bar trivia and I would lead it. And it was a blast. And then I started doing a podcast because I said, I can make this and integrate the faith and this trivia um, because one of my deep desires, and I think one of my charisms as a priest, as I discerned it throughout my four and a half years of being a priest and as a seminarian and just my life, especially being in South Louisiana, is destroying the, the idea that our faith is compartmentalized, yeah. that our faith is over here on one side, and then our social life's over here, fun is over here, and then reverence is over here. Um, I, I think that does a disservice it to sanctity. It does a disservice to the church. Um, no, you are one whole person who God wants to fulfill in a great way. And there's been multiple times where I've walked into bars, like after weddings or whatever, in my clerics. So I'm not going to change out of my clerics and going into a bar. I'm going to go into the bar. Christ is coming into that bar. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I'm going to stand outside probably at the end of the night. And there was one time I had a line of confession outside the bar. <laughs> You know, and I don't know if it's because, you know, people had had, you know, two tequilas or whatever, but um, no, they were, it was great. It was, <laughs> I heard, much more, I heard, much more open to, uh, to expressing things in that state. Yeah. Right? In vino veritas. Right? <laughs> um, so, so that's kind of my, at least what I've discerned. So part of my charism and my love is showing up in places people aren't expecting me to be and not just me, but Christ, because when when I show up in persona Christi, like as a priest, which I'm always a priest, they're like, why, why, why are you here? What, what, what is Jesus doing here? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's loving you. Yeah. yeah. I was at um, a lunch with a, I took a, a priest friend of mine out to lunch and we went to Chick-fil-A and he's there in, in his clerics. He wears them everywhere. And the, this, uh, this person came over to him after we were standing in line for a few minutes and said, Father, I just want, you know, I'm so glad you're here because I was about to lose my temper. And then I looked up and I saw you and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put on virtue. I'm going <laughs> to do the right Wait, thing. You know, it's it, most of the time it, it happens the opposite for me. I'll be at like CrossFit and someone will drop, you know, a, a surly word and be like, oh, I'm sorry, Father. And I'm like, don't apologize to me. I mean, God hears you. I don't, it's not me. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit uh, as, um, how obviously you have that connection with the people in your, in your parish and the people, not just who are registered parishioners, but those people who are within the boundaries of the parish. Uh, Y'all may not know this, but um, the priest is responsible for everyone who lives within a geographical boundary. He's the pastor of everyone, whether they come to church or not. So I love this idea of going into the bar and having this, this activity to minister to your parishioners registered and unregistered. Um, but there's also a need for uh, priestly fraternity. And so absolutely. Yeah. How does that play out uh, in, 
in your context? And is there something that we as the lay can do to help facilitate and enable that priestly fraternity to take place? That's an interesting question. I never thought about what lay people could do to facilitate priestly fraternity, because I see it as first and foremost, a responsibility of the priest himself and his brothers. Um, And so I have been blessed with fantastic brother priests of all different uh, generations. Um, And obviously it's most natural to be drawn to the guys of your own generation. You went through seminary together. It's kind of like, kind of like military. You go through boot camp with, with guys, you're going to be closer to them. You go on deployment with these guys, you're going to be closer to them, but there's a a shared brotherhood as a vet, right. As a veteran. Um, And I, I kind of liken that to the priesthood, like the guys you went through seminary with. And we hang out, we go every, every year on our anniversary, we go and get a steak together. Um, I'm often calling up my friends and going over to their place or, um, you know, hanging out. And so uh, I think it's up to the priest, really. I, I don't know. Do you have any ideas? I don't know how a layperson can facilitate that. Well, I, I, mean, I, think, I think one of the most important things, as I look at it, that a layperson can do is realize that, that human component of father and say uh, to oneself, uh, father doesn't owe me all of his time, right? Uh, that we can, if we see father working 24-7, uh, to give some encouragement to, to take a break, uh, maybe even provide a gift card so that father can go with a, a neighboring priest and go do something completely aside from the parish mm. so that you can have that human formation. Um, just to understand and to, to pass along to fellow parishioners that father is not property. Father is, is a human person who has spiritual authority and, and, um, and responsibility for the parish, but he mm-hmm. also has responsibility for himself. And we, we need to allow that and make room for that space for that to happen. Mm. You know, as you talked, it it reminded me of a quote by St. Augustine. And he says that I'm a bishop for the parishioners. I'm a bishop for the salvation of, of souls. And I'm a Christian for my own salvation. (laughs) And his point was that like, sometimes the burdens and responsibilities of the bishopric, right, of, of his responsibility as a shepherd, as a pastor of a diocese is burdensome. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to heaven just because you're a bishop or a priest, right? You have to have your own sanctity. And that includes human formation. That includes uh, psychological health. That includes brotherhood and fraternity and all these natural things, Um in, in your prayer life too, you, you could be a, a great administrator and your parish is, you know, firing on all cylinders, but uh, that doesn't mean anything about your own soul. Yeah. We've been talking today with Father Brad Doyle. He's a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. He's also the host of the Quizzical Papist. Go over, find it on iTunes or whatever aggregator you use for your podcasts. Follow him on Twitter. I do at father underscore quizzical father quizzical we'll be right back right after this with our reading from scripture and a document of the church there's so much more to come right after this you're listening to outside the walls with tl
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L., and today we've been talking about how important it is. A couple of things. One, our need as human beings uh, for connection, for interaction, for vulnerability, and that extends to our priests. Our priests, being human as well, need that, that support. We've been talking today with Father Brad Doyle. Uh, I know him from Twitter, and you should too. Uh, his handle there is at Father underscore Quizzical. That's F-R underscore Quizzical. And he's the host of the, the Quizzical Papist podcast, and he's also a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. If you missed any part of today's show or you want to share it with uh, those that you know and love on social media, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Additionally, each and every week, uh, I give an extra segment to those people who support the show through Patreon to keep us on the air. For as little as $5 a month, you get weekly extra segments and you can join that support community. I invite you to come take a look at it by, while you're there, sharing the episode over at OutsideTheWalls.com. On the top right-hand corner of the page, you'll see a link that says Patreon hyphen support the show. Uh, I encourage you to click that link look through it and see all of the various tiers that you can support at and the different rewards that we give to those tiers and consider making this the week that you join that community. Let's turn our attention now to our reading from scripture and from church history. And this is one of those weeks that the readings just line up. I didn't have to go look for them. There they were for today's readings. Uh, one we're going to look at first is the gospel of the day, which comes from the gospel of Mark. On that day, as evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. A violent squall came up, and waves were breaking over the boat, so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, whom even the wind and the sea obey? That reading comes from the Gospel of Mark. And how often do we find ourselves in the place of the disciples that day? We feel like we're following after Jesus Christ. We're going where he told us to go. We're getting in the boat he told us to get into. And then halfway through, Everything seems to be going awry, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. He's not active. He's sleeping. And how we can feel forgotten and abandoned. And I, I think of uh, Father Harkins, who recently lost his life, took his life. And I, I really just empathize with the hopelessness that goes uh, and drives that decision. And I see it here 
in the uh, the disciples cry, do you not care that we are perishing? And sometimes in our circumstances, it feels like Jesus is not waking up as quickly as we would like, because here the boat is already filling up. And we, being a logical people, we know what happens when boats fill up. They sink. And if we allow ourselves to get beyond the very present moment and try to follow it through to its natural conclusion, we feel like we will be swamped and drowned. But Christ is in the boat. Christ is there, albeit asleep, and he, he's not going to go down. Right? He, this is the guy who walked on the water. He's not, he's, he's not going to sink with a boat. And the wind and the waves obey him. And it seems like we can, we're waiting as long as we possibly can wait. And we're crying out for help. And we're asking for divine intervention. And it may not feel like it's coming. And perhaps even as I'm relaying this to you, you see yourself in this story. You feel the wind and the waves. You, you, you see the boat filling up and you think, uh, I'm not going to make it much longer. Do you not care that we are perishing? And I want to assure you that even if this is a storm that you brought on yourself or whether this is a storm that, was, that, that came from the outside externally, that Christ is in the boat and this is the God whom wind and waves obey. So don't give up hope. Tell someone. Cry out to God. And you might even cry out to God in the, in the person next to you, right? Don't keep it inside. Go ahead and, and with the apostles, voice that. Do you not care that we are perishing? And then be prepared to marvel at the God whom the wind and the waves obey. Today's reading from a document of the church comes from today's office of readings out of the breviary. And this is one of those that when I, when I pulled it up, because I always start with the day and if it doesn't seem like it fits, I go somewhere else. And sometimes I can kind of make it fit. Uh, and today was one of those days that it just kind of hit me in the face because uh, I was not planning on this being our topic this week uh, until uh, all of this stuff came across my newsfeed. And uh, and here, as I opened up the bravery for today, the selected reading is from the Pastoral Constitution on the Church in the Modern World uh, from the Second Vatican Council, known as Gaudium et Spes. And it's Numbers 18 and 22, On the Mystery of Death. In the face of death, the enigma of human existence reaches its climax. Man is not only the victim of pain and the progressive deterioration of his body, he is also and more deeply tormented by the fear of final extinction. But this instinctive judgment of his heart is right when he shrinks from and rejects the idea of a total collapse and a definitive end of his own person. He carries with him the seeds of of eternity, which cannot be reduced to matter alone, and so he rebels against death. All efforts of technology, however useful they may be, cannot calm his anxieties. The biological extension of his lifespan cannot satisfy the desire inescapably present in his heart for a life beyond this life. 
Imagination is completely helpless when confronted with death. Yet the church, instructed by divine revelation, affirms that man has been created by God for a destiny of happiness beyond the reach of earthly trials. Moreover, the Christian faith teaches that bodily death, to which man would not have been subject if he had not sinned, will be conquered. The Almighty and merciful Savior will restore man to the wholeness that he had lost through his own fault. God has called man, and still calls him, to be united in his whole being, in perpetual communion with himself, in the immortality of the divine life. This victory has been gained for us by the risen Christ, who by his own death has freed man from death. Faith, presented with solid arguments, offers every thinking person the answer to his questions concerning his future destiny. At the same time, it enables him to be one in Christ with his loved ones who have been taken from him by death and gives him hope that they have entered into the true life with God. Certainly, the Christian is faced with the necessity and the duty of fighting against evil through many trials and of undergoing death. But by entering into the Paschal mystery and being made like Christ in death, he will look forward, strong in hope, to the resurrection. This is true not only of Christians, but also of all men of goodwill, in whose heart grace is invisibly at work. Since Christ died for all men, and the ultimate vocation of man is in fact one that is a divine vocation, we must hold that the Holy Spirit offers to all the possibility of being united with this paschal mystery in a way known only to God. Such is the great mystery of man, enlightening believers through the Christian revelation. Through Christ and in Christ, light is thrown on the enigma of pain and death, which overwhelms us without his gospel to teach us. Christ has risen, destroying death by his own death, he has given us the free gift of life so that as sons in the Son, we may cry out in the Spirit, saying, Abba, Father. That reading comes from Gaudium et Spes. So today, as you contemplate your own death, don't be afraid. Christ has come to reconcile us with the Father and unite us to him forever. And as you meditate on the trials of this life, don't be overwhelmed. Christ is in the boat. He does care. He knows your situation, and he will calm the wind and the waves. That's all the time we have for today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Carrie Carlson and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link in the top right-hand corner, and join their numbers. Join the ongoing conversation this week over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls and until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 